40. We're going to be picking up the pace here tonight. As you can look at your sheets, Lord willing, time willing, we're going to do 40, 41, 42, and 43. Like we said a couple weeks ago, we got to the spot here in Jeremiah where the, the prophecies really are kind of done. It's more now the narrative of everything actually happening. And you hate to break these chapters up because there's this beautiful flow that happens. So we're going to try to do a bunch of chapters tonight. And we're actually going to go pretty quickly here through the rest of the book of Jeremiah. Because the purpose of Jeremiah is to show us the forewarning that God gave Israel. For years and decades. You know, a lot of people think Jeremiah had a ministry that may have gone on for 40 plus years. And Judah just failed to listen. Finally, we're seeing this all happening. Last week, we talked about Babylon coming and defeating them. We talked about Zedekiah uh, being punished. And so now the battle is over. Now everything is done. We're introduced to this man in chapter 40 by the name of Gedaliah. Gedaliah is the appointed governor over Judah. Babylon has defeated Judah. They've taken over. They put Gedaliah in charge. And Gedaliah seems like a pretty good guy. So what happens here in the first part of Jeremiah 40, verses 1 through 5, is Babylon comes to Jeremiah. And there's this man that we're introduced to. And we were, I think he came into the scene last week, actually. His name is Nebuzadan in verse 1. And he basically comes and says, now listen, we'll give you a choice. You can stay here in Israel. Or you can go with us to Babylon. Let's pick this up right here in verse 1. It says, Now the word that came to Jeremiah the Lord after Nebuzadan, the captain of the guard, had let him go from Ramah, when he had taken him bound in chains among all who were carried away captive from Jerusalem and Judah and were carried away captive to Babylon. If you remember correctly last week, they let Jeremiah out of prison. He's now free, verse 2. And the captain of the guard took Jeremiah and said to him, The Lord your God has pronounced this doom on this place. Now the Lord has brought it. And it's done just as he said, because you people have sinned against the Lord and not obeyed his voice, therefore this thing has come to you. Now look, I free you this day from the chains that were on your hand. If it seems good to you to come with me to Babylon, come, and I will look after you. But if it seems wrong for you to come with me to Babylon, remain here. See, all the land is before you. Wherever it seems good and convenient for you to go, go there. Now, that's actually kind of a big deal. Here's this guy saying, listen, come to Babylon. I'll watch out for you. At this time, Jeremiah is probably in his mid to late 70s. You know, some people even think maybe even early 80s is this time. So he's saying, hey, you come to Babylon, I'll watch out for you. Obviously, the people of Judah don't like Jeremiah. They throw him in prison now twice. Jeremiah keeps preaching, Babylon is going to come destroy us. This guy is not well liked. What an opportunity, a fresh start, a new beginning. Now, one of the things I always tell people out here at church, change of scenery does not mean change of heart. Generally speaking, the problems that you're spiritually struggling with in Northwest Ohio, you will still struggle with wherever you move to. Because they're a spiritual problem. And we have to work through those spiritual problems. I'm not against people moving, but so often people say, well, I'm going to go here and it's going to be a brand new beginning. Yeah, but if you're bringing your old sinful nature with you, it's not a brand new beginning. Jeremiah could have stopped and said, you know what? I've tried for decades to talk to these people. It's done. This is over. I got this guy that obviously has some power, and he says here in verses 3 and 4, I'll watch out for you. This doesn't sound too bad. Problem is, Jeremiah can't do that. Remember what Jeremiah preached and preached and preached and preached. He said, stay in Jerusalem, let Babylon defeat you. This is God's punishment. Accept it. By Jeremiah leaving and going to Babylon, he's going against absolutely everything he taught and preached. No matter how good it looked, he can't do that. 
Verse 5. Now while Jeremiah had not yet gone back, Nebuzadan said, Go back to Gedaliah, the son of Achim, the son of Shaphan, whom the king of Babylon has made governor over the cities of Judah, and dwell with him among the people, or go wherever it seems convenient for you to go. So the captain of the guard gave him rations and a gift and let him go. Look how good this looks. I mean, seriously, from Jeremiah's perspective, go to Babylon. This guy is watching out for you. This guy likes you. Israel doesn't care about you. Verse 6. Then Jeremiah went to Gedaliah, the son of Achim, to Mizpah, and dwelt with him among the people who were left in the land. Jeremiah stayed. See, too often I see people come up to me all the time, and they say, look at this wonderful opportunity. How could this not be of God? Just because it looks good doesn't mean it's of God. Well, they're offering me better hours, they're offering me better pay, they're offering me all this. It could be a carrot that's dangled in front of you. I don't know. This is a wonderful opportunity for Jeremiah. Go to Babylon, get away from Israel, you're going to be taken care of. Why not go? He can't go because the Lord said no. Verse 6, he stays because that's what God told him to do. He was obedient. The application for us, look at those two verses on your sheet. My brethren, let many of you become teachers, knowing that we should receive a stricter judgment, James 3.1, and 1 Corinthians 11.1, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. The application is this. If you're going to make a public stand for the Lord, you've got to live it. Jeremiah preached, stay. He's got to live it. If he would leave, where is his witness? If you're the one that always is saying at work, don't let the boss get to you, don't lose your temper, then by golly, don't lose your temper at work. If you're the one preaching to your kids, you know what, keep your focus on the Lord, then you better keep your focus on the Lord. Now what happens is some people hear this teaching and they say, well, that's why I never say anything publicly about the Lord. Because I'm not under any standard. Well, then you're still wrong because in your heart you know how you're supposed to be living. I know for me, when I look at James 3, 1 and 1 Corinthians 11, 1, I'm so convicted. Anything I teach out here at church... I either have to live it before I teach it, or I have to live it right after I teach it. And if there's ever a lesson where I think, I really don't have to live it, I guarantee it's going to come up. Just a few weeks ago, we did a teaching on forgiveness. And it was all about forgiving and not allowing things to create bitterness, etc. And I went into that lesson. I think the lesson went pretty well, felt pretty good about it. And I thought, I'm not harboring anything. Wouldn't you know it? Some schmuck came into my life halfway through that week and really ticked me off. And I had a day or two where I was really upset at them. And I thought, i got to let this go. And then it hit me. I'm living the lesson. I'm living what I just taught on Sunday. Will, will I do exactly what I told the people to do? Will I let it go? Will I pray for my enemies? Will I ask the Lord to bless them? And it's tough. It is much easier to preach it than it is to live it. It's much easier for Jeremiah to say, give in to Babylon, and then leave to go to Babylon where he's going to be taken care of. He lived it. He acted it. He did it. And what a blessing it is. So that first point there is so important. You may look at those first six verses and say, what's the big deal? The big deal is it shows Jeremiah truly lived what he taught and believed. That's why this is an amazing man of God that we can look at and respect. Anybody got any quick questions, comments about that before we move on? we got a lot to cover here tonight. So... We're going to pick up the pace here a little bit. If you look in your sheets there, from verse 7 of Jeremiah 40 through basically Jeremiah 41, I didn't know what to call it, so I just called it a soap opera. That's exactly what it is. There's this guy by the name of Ishmael. And this guy by the name of Ishmael, if you look at verse 14, do you certainly know that Bilas, the king of the Ammonites, has sent Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, to murder you? It's a soap opera. 
What happened is, Gedaliah is now the governor. There's this guy by the name of Ishmael that's been sent to murder him. So for the next chapter and a half here, there's this warning of where they're saying, beware of this guy. Gedaliah is saying, I don't need to worry about this guy. Look at verse 16. But Gedaliah, the son of Hakim, said to Johanna, the son of Kariah, you shall not do this thing, for you speak falsely concerning Ishmael. I mean, you just see this movie playing out. Gedalia, Ishmael wants to kill you. Oh, no, he doesn't. I like Ishmael. Ishmael's a nice guy. He's not going to kill me. Verses 41, excuse me, chapter 41, verses 1 through 3, they have this great feast. And guess who's invited? Ishmael's invited. Guess what Ishmael does at the great feast? Verse 3, excuse me, verse 2. Then Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, and the ten men who were with him, arose and struck Gedalia, the son of Achim, the son of Shaphan, with the sword, and killed him, whom the king of Babylon had made governor over the land. This is the drama that was going on. Now, once again, I look at something like this, and part of me thinks, well, didn't Jeremiah say, I should have left? Sometimes you can make the right decision, and it actually gets more difficult. See, too often we do this. We make a decision in the Lord, and as we make that decision, we say, okay, amen, I've made this decision. And then all of a sudden, your life gets more difficult. And you stop and you say, this shouldn't be this way. I made the right choice. Since I made the right choice, the heavens should be open and I should be blessed. Look here in Jeremiah 40 and 41. It would have been a lot easier if Jeremiah would have went to Babylon. He made the right decision, and this still ends up happening. And there's a reason why Jeremiah is there. Because now once this happens, the people that are left, they don't know what to do. Gedalia has been killed. They're kind of at this complete mess, and they don't know what to do. So they come to Jeremiah. Finally, After decades of ministry, the people willfully come to Jeremiah and say, we need spiritual help. Our nation's a mess. Gedalia is killed. We don't know what to do. Look at verse 2 of Jeremiah 42. This is the people speaking to Jeremiah. Please let our petition be acceptable to you and pray for us to the Lord your God for all this remnant since we are left but a few of many that you can see that the Lord your God may show us the way in which we should walk and the thing which we should do. Tough times bring you closer to the Lord. Now, we never like to think that. We always want our loved one to get saved because the heavens opened up and they saw the love of Jesus and amen. be quite honest with you, more people get saved going through difficult times than they do going through blessing. It's just the way it is. So, the people are going through a difficult time. Guess what they do? They turn to the Lord. I, I see it out here at church all the time. There's a difficult situation that pops up and guess what? They're back close to the Lord. Now, I don't look at that derogatory. I'm actually excited about that. Lord, thank you for allowing that thorn to be on their side that brings them closer to the Lord. Thank you for allowing that small pebble to be in their shoe that makes them think about God. The people here are going through a difficult time. All of a sudden now, they cling to the Lord. Verse 4, Jeremiah the prophet said to them, I have heard indeed. I will pray to the Lord your God according to your words, and it shall be that whatever the Lord answers you, I will declare it to you. I will keep nothing back from you. So they said to Jeremiah, Let the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us if we do not do according to everything which the Lord your God sends us by you. Whether it is pleasing or displeasing, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send you that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. I love that verse. I don't care if it's good news or bad news, I'm going to be obedient to God. Boy, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the way it's supposed to be? Lord, here's the situation in my life. I'm praying for it to work out this way in my earthly wisdom. But Lord, whether it be good or whether it be bad, I just trust you and I obey. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it's supposed to be. Tough times draws closer. You can look at these verses at the bottom of your sheet. 
I sat there and I thought, all these verses are good. So we'll just put them all on there. You may have a loved one right now that you want to see get closer to the Lord. Sometimes you need to pray, Lord, make them go through the fire. You know, somebody told me the story one time out here that they know somebody that this is their answer. That if they ever come up to them and say, hey, would you pray for my fill in the blank, my brother to know Christ. Sometimes they say, well, you know what, I'm going to pray that your brother's life gets so difficult that he has no other option but to know Christ. That's going to get so difficult for him that he has to turn to the Lord. And I tell you, sometimes that works. Look here at these verses. 1 Peter 1. And this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What he's saying there is by going through difficult times, it proves you're a real strong believer. That's, that's what it's saying. James 1. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. As you go through trials, it grows you. Romans 5, not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. What you have here in Jeremiah 42 is a perfect example of a difficult time drawing someone closer to the Lord. If you are going through a difficult time right now, instead of running from it, stop and say, Lord, what can I learn from this? If you're going through a difficult time, instead of saying, Lord, stop, sometimes you have to say, okay, Lord, I'm listening. That's difficult to do. Trust me. But God says, I speak to you through these difficult times, and it draws you closer. So the people going through a difficult time come to Jeremiah. They want to listen to what God has to say. And hopefully, we'll see what happens here. But anybody got any quick questions, comments about the difficult time thing, Israel, what they're going through? I know we're moving pretty quick, but there's a lot we've got to cover here. Alrighty, I like. Oh, sorry, Jody. Yeah. Did it not occur to them to pray to God themselves? That's a tough question to answer because kind of what you see here in the Old Testament is you almost see the Lord working through a man. That's kind of the way God did. Like with Moses, He basically told Moses, "You're the one that's going to be the intermediator." between the people. He told Jeremiah, you're the one I'm going to use. He told Ezekiel that way. So did it ever occur to them? I'm going to say no, it didn't, because the way God used the system back here in the Old Testament is he used that individual to be the go-between. That's what the role of the prophet was, to speak forth for God. Anybody else got any other questions? Yeah, Rose. And, and that's you're right. That's still around today. You still see this idea of, I can't approach the Lord, but since you're closer to God than me, I'll come to you and then you go to God. And I think that's why it's so important, that, uh, that verse in Timothy, where it says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And when Jesus died on the cross, we all know what happened there. When that veil was torn, that showed complete access to God. So now it says in Hebrews that we can boldly go to the throne of grace. And I have people sometimes contact me and say, hey, will you pray about this? And they'll, they'll make a little comment sometimes, well, I know God hears your prayers more than me. And I always say, well, yes, that's true. Just kidding, I don't say that. I say, no, he doesn't. I, I, and I always I stress to them, don't, don't go down that road. Don't go down that road. Because what happens is we start elevating, well, you know what, God won't listen to me, but I'm sure he'll listen to you. No, we all have access to God through Christ. The veil has been torn. Man, let's take advantage of that. What a blessing that is. We can go to the Lord anytime we want. Anybody else have anything here before we move on? Yeah, Ron. This Ishmael, was it Abraham? No, no, complete different Ishmael. We're, we're probably at least a thousand years away from each other there. Just as that happens to be his name. 
Not the same guy. Anybody else got anything? Okay, real quick. Verse 7. It happened after 10 days that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Quick little point. And I know we know this. Sometimes it takes a while for God to answer prayers. It took 10 days here. I just put the little note there in uh, um, Daniel 10. It took Daniel 21 days. So sometimes if you're praying about something, Lord, I need wisdom on this job situation, sometimes it takes a while. In, in our fast food Christian McDonald's society, Lord, I pray for wisdom and I expect the answer now. If you look throughout the Bible, God puts a delay between prayers and sometimes prayers answered. And it's not because the Lord is slack or the Lord is lazy. Because to be quite honest, when I have something that's bothering me or I'm concerned about, I spend more time with God than I do when things aren't. So when I have a heavy situation, I have a heavy situation on my heart right now, out here at church with somebody, I was mowing outside today, and I usually listen to music while I'm mowing. I didn't want to listen to music. So I just want to pray for this person. Because there's this heaviness. And you know what? If there wasn't that heaviness, if there was already an answer... I wouldn't be praying so much. By the Lord allowing there to be a time delay, you spend more time with God just searching and praying and crying out, and you grow closer. That's just a fact that happens. Phyllis. That's answered prayer. I want to be careful here. I'm not saying every single prayer is going to be like, okay, I prayed Wednesday. I'll get an answer here in 10 days. But sometimes that's the way it happens. Yes, sometimes there is that instantaneous peace. I don't ever want to doubt God on that. And obviously the situation you're saying there, there is that instantaneous peace. And that's answered prayer as well too. But you do see sometimes in these things of 10 days, 21 days, and sometimes people come up and say, I don't get this. Why is the Lord delaying? I have prayed and prayed. Why isn't the Lord answering? I think personal opinion, take it or leave it, there is that closeness that builds with that. But yeah, like you're saying there, Phyllis, there's obviously examples too where the Lord just immediately answers and thank the Lord for that peace that he gives too. Anybody else have anything here? So if you're in the process of praying about something right now and God's not answering quick enough, just remember Daniel, remember Jeremiah, 10 days, 21 days. Some of you may be saying, okay, well, I'm into weeks and weeks and months. Okay, just keep praying. Just keep praying. All right, let's move on here real quick. Um, we like to think that the people in Jeremiah 42 really meant what they said. Obviously, Jeremiah comes back with this answer, and the Jeremiah's answer is, don't go to Egypt. See, the people wanted to go to Egypt. Everybody wants to leave Israel. It's a war-torn nation, no good memories, things are falling apart. So Israel says, we're going to listen to the Lord, and whatever you tell us to do, we will listen. So Jeremiah comes back and says, stay. Verse 10, if you will still remain in this land, then I will build you and not pull you down. I will plant you and not pluck you up, for I relent concerning disaster that I brought upon you. Verse 11, do not be afraid of the king of Babylon. God says, stay here. The punishment's over. Time to be blessed. We had a situation that popped up with one of the boys, and we had to discipline him. And so we disciplined him. And, you know, there's the crying and there's the tears. And I, and I just picked him up. I looked at him and said, it's all over. And it was over. It's done. The punishment's over. The discipline's over. Stay, verse 10 and 11. Let's rebuild. Verse 12. I will show you mercy. Problem is, 
verse 13. If you say, we will not dwell in this land, disobeying the voice of the Lord your God, saying, no, we will go to the land of Egypt, where we shall see no war, nor hear the sound of the trumpet, nor be hungry for bread, there where we will dwell. Well, then God says in verse 15, I will follow you to Egypt, and the discipline will continue. Have you ever met somebody like that? That this is the perfect situation. And I know as soon as I go do this, it's going to be wonderful. Has the Lord led you to do that? Well, I don't know if the Lord's led me to do it, but I know I'm going to go do it. My question that I ask people when I see them doing something that just doesn't make any spiritual sense, I usually just ask them, have you prayed over this and is this where the Lord led you? If they can't say yes, then I always say, aren't you a little concerned that you're making the decision in your own wisdom? God makes it clear. Stay. It's over. Be blessed. What do the people do? Verse 20. They want to go. So what is Jeremiah's response? Verse 20. You were hypocrites in your hearts when you sent me to the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us to the Lord our God, and according to all that the Lord your God says. So declare it us, and we will do it. And I have this day declared it to you, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God or anything which he has sent you by me. Jeremiah says, You guys are hypocrites. You told me you wanted what the Lord wanted in your life. You told me you would obey it. But when push came to shove, you just lied. You're a hypocrite. I hate to say this. I see this all the time. Somebody comes up. I'm really in a tough situation. I really want to do what the Lord leads me to do. Okay, so we pray. We search the Lord. The Lord led them. And you say, what does the Lord led you? I believe the Lord's leading me to do this. Amen. Let's do it. You talk to them a couple weeks later. They do the complete opposite. Why? Because they just didn't want to. It's tough to do God's will. It really is. Seriously, look at Jeremiah. Go to Babylon. Be taken care of. Get out of Israel. Boy, that sounds good. But the Lord told me to stay. Look at the people of Israel. God comes and says, it's all over. You guys stay. I will bless you. I will take care of you. Nope, they want to leave. Guess what? Chapter 43. They leave. They go to Egypt. Look at verse 7 of chapter 43. So they went to the land of Egypt, for they did not obey the voice of the Lord. And you can see in verses 8 through 11, we're running out of time. Jeremiah comes to them and basically says, Since you guys went to Egypt, guess what's going to happen? Babylon's going to come attack Egypt now. So since you now, you guys fled to Egypt to get out of war, to get out of famine, Babylon's just going to come down to Egypt. The discipline will still follow you. You can't run from the discipline of God. You can't. That's what they were trying to do. And what we see here from Jeremiah 44 on is now the discipline following them to Egypt. If they just would have stayed in Israel, it would have been all done. In our present day terminology, if they just would have turned themselves into the cops, it would have all been done. They decided to be disobedient. They ran. I, I tell you, any time you see in the Bible somebody running from God's will, it never turns out good. It never does. How many examples do we need? We have Jonah. We have the prodigal son. We have the people here in Jeremiah 43. We still think, God tells me to do A. I'm just going to do B and assume that everything will be perfect. It never works out. Jeremiah warned them. God warned them. Their heart was not there. So since they were not obedient to what God had in store for their life, the discipline came and the follow-through came. I, boy, I tell you, this is probably too simple of a point. If God has laid something in your heart to do, just be obedient and do it. That's where the blessing comes. To be disobedient, boy, it comes back to bite you. There's no doubt about that. Anybody have any final questions, comments here before we close up? It would have been really nice if we could have just ended with verse 6. 
And I was reading this and praying this message. I love Jeremiah 42, verse 6. Whether it is pleasing or displeasing, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God, to whom we will send you, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. I love that verse. I wish we could just end right there. Problem is, there's the rest of 42 and there's the rest of 43. It just goes better when we obey. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, simple prayer. Give us obedient hearts. Lord, just a heart to truly want to do what you've called us to do. And Lord, if there's someone here tonight in a Jeremiah situation, that there's a choice in front of them and you've made it clear what you want them to do, help them to be obedient to that. If there's someone here tonight, just like the nation of Israel, there is this, there's this temptation of blessing that is not of you. I pray that you'd help them to say no to what they need to say no to and yes to what they need to say yes to. Help us to have obedient hearts in you. And we lift this up in your name. Amen. Oh, Lord, just pray you keep everybody safe tonight too with the weather in your name. Amen. All right, you guys have a good week and God bless.